Hello and welcome to today's Here's to Your Health podcast. I'm Don Lintzman, Executive Director of Marketing and Development at Crawford County Memorial Hospital. And my guest on the podcast today is Dana Neiman. Dana is our Nurse Director of Education. And Dana, thank you for joining me today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Our, uh, our topic today is Donate Life Month because April is that. And um, uh, we want to talk a little bit about organ donation because that, I think, is one of the more important things that we could be talking about uh, this time of year. And I suppose, Dana, maybe where, the, where we start is uh, who can be an organ donor? So it's it's really kind of interesting. All adults in the United States, um, you know, really 18 or over. Most, in, in some states, they can actually be under 18. Um, you sign up to be an organ donor. Doctors can decide at the time of death if someone is a good fit. Um, but also, a parent or guardian would need to give permission to allow someone for under the age of 18. In the state of Iowa, we actually um, have that in a registry when you go in and you renew your license. And that is an organ donation question. And that is uh, withheld or upheld at the time of, of passing. So when, when you talk about the registry, you know, obviously, you know, what you just said is true. You can actually go in and do that um, when you get your driver's license. But there, there are other ways. I mean, there are people who don't have driver's licenses Absolutely. and so on and so forth. So there are other ways to go about doing that. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you get your name on the organ, organ donor registry. So actually our Iowa Donor Network has an amazing outreach team and um, they offer a lot of education. You can go on to uh, sign up online at iowadonornetwork.org and you can register. It's really quick and easy. The other piece is to really let your family know about your decision. If the time comes, you, you definitely don't want them to feel surprised and and you know, ha- struggle carrying out your wishes. And I really think that's an important part of the conversation that everybody should have, especially for those of us who have children, a spouse, um, or any other family members. Obviously, you want to make sure that when you're uh, when you're making the decision to become an organ donor, that you let other people know that that is your decision so that uh, it, when the time comes that uh, that decision uh, can be carried out. My guest on the program today is Dana Neiman. Dana Neiman is the uh, Nurse Director of Education here at CCMH. We're talking about organ donation and April being Donate Life Month. Dana is uh, obviously not every organ can be donated, but there's a lot of organs that can be. Let's talk about that for a second. Okay, so uh, essentially the eight vital organs, which would be the heart, the kidneys, both of them, pancreas, both the lungs, liver, intestines, hands, face, tissue, include like cornea, skin, heart valves, bone, blood vessels, connective tissue. You can also donate bone marrow and stem cells, umbilical cord blood, and you know peripheral blood stem cells. Those it, can it, all be donated. It's an amazing list. It's an amazing list and probably more than what we would we would normally imagine. So when we talk about the eight, eight um, major organs that people can donate, I know that one of the issues that people have and question that comes up quite often is you know, if I'm in the hospital and I'm not doing well and I'm an organ donor, will that really affect any of the care that I receive? No, absolutely not. So ultimately, you know, your care comes first and it does not come into play if you are, um, you know, an organ donor. Saving your life always comes first. Donation doesn't come um, as a possibility until all life-saving methods have failed. 
the medical team trying to save your life is separate from the transplant team. And the transplant team actually is the one that makes the decision at the time of death if a donation is even possible. So you may sign up to be a on the registry, you may sign up to be an organ donor, um, even if you have an illness, but it all comes down to uh, you know the transplant team and and the availability on whether or not they you would be uh, a good fit. Right, condition of the organs, mm -hmm. you know all those kinds of things. It does make a huge difference. You know, one other thing that I hear from from patients quite a bit, or from people who are organ donors quite a bit, is um, you know they'd like to do it, but they want to make sure that they can have an open casket. They don't want anything that would damage their body in any way. And, and I, while I understand that concern, I, I'm not sure that it's one that we should really have. That's absolutely right. So really, hospital workers and the transplant team and anyone involved in the donation or the process really treats your body with care and respect during the donation process. You can donate your organs, eyes, and tissues and still have an open casket funeral. They really focus on the integrity and, and preservation of, of you know, the human being. Yeah, and certainly certainly the family's wishes when it comes to, the, to those sorts of things have absolutely. to be paramount. Absolutely. You know, one other, and so here's another question that I hear quite often, and that is, you know, who pays for the or organ donation? Let's let's all just agree that healthcare is not inexpensive, and, obvi <laughs> and obviously for a lot of people this is a big concern. I'd like to be an organ donor, but if I'm the one who's got to pay for it, I'm not so sure sure that I would sign on to that. But I, if we can put anybody's mind to rest on that. So ultimately, if you are an organ donor, you or your family or your estate does not pay for that piece of it. Your family only pays for your medical care and then funeral costs. They don't pay to donate your organs. Insurance or the people who receive the organ donation actually pay those costs. And then through Iowa Donor Network, I received some education that they a lot of times have, you know, funding and, and things like that in place. But no, the person donating or the family left behind, they are not responsible for those fees. My guest on the podcast today is Dana Neiman. Dana is a nurse director of education here at CCMH and we're talking about organ donation and uh, Donate Life Month because April is Donate uh, Life Month. Dana, how many, how many people, uh, do we know how many people are currently waiting to receive a donated organ? So waiting for organs really changes every day. As of January 2022, the number was over 106,000 individuals waiting for organ wow. donation. Big number. Yeah. Every nine minutes, another person is added to the waiting list, and more than half of all the people on the transplant waiting list are from racial or ethnic minority groups. And, and so that's an interesting thing that you just said there. Why, why would it be, or what, what causes that to be the case? So uh, some diseases that really cause end-stage organ failure are more common in those groups of people or those uh, these groups of people. And also, really, it calls back to preventative medicine. Are they following up with their preventative and wellness screenings? Um, and when you come from a minority group, sometimes there's lack of education or outreach. But when it comes to, you know, the commonality of end-stage organ failure or diseases that cause that, 
African Americans, Asians, Native Hawaiians, and Pacific Islanders, as well as Hispanic and Latinos, are three times more likely than Caucasians to suffer from end-stage renal disease. Which is a which is kind of the the end result of diabetes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So there's a higher incidence of diabetes in those particular groups of folks, and so because of that, we end up with a higher a demand for a kidney transplant because of end-stage renal disease. Absolutely, as well as high blood pressure. High blood uh, pressure also leads to that. Yeah, it really do, it does make a big difference. And so I suppose one, one thing we could say to the people who are listening today is that if you have a problem with high blood pressure, make sure you're getting it treated. If you have a problem with diabetes, make sure you're getting it treated. Absolutely. You want to make sure that you're following your wellness plan and you're going through your screenings and making sure that you're maintaining your connection with your family health care provider. Dana, before we uh, wrap up today, I know that you recently had a family member who passed and and, uh, she was a live uh, organ donor. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience? Um, Yeah, so my mom um, was uh, a cancer survivor for about almost two years, and so when I say cancer survivor, she she was never cured, um, but she continued to battle and she lived her best life. We had had the conversation about organ donation at one point, and there was actually a myth out there that we were able to get dispelled that because she had advanced cancer, that she would not be able to be an organ donor, and that was incorrect. So um, when mom passed uh, and she was on hospice, she was on acute hospice, when she passed, uh, you know, everybody was really fantastic as far as helping us make make the phone calls and stuff like that. And mom uh, was able to give the gift of sight. Uh, she was able to donate um, both of her corneas uh, through the Alliance Eye Bank. And so she gave the, the gift of sight to two different individuals. Wow. So probably the, the, the lesson that comes out of that is if you really want to be an organ donor regardless of circumstances, chances are it, that at least in some way you'll be able to accomplish that. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and really a lot of it comes down to awareness and, and education and really attending those opportunities for um, outreach, attending those opportunities to get the questions answered. And so really, like I said, she thought she was excluded because she had advanced cancer and she had gone through chemo and radiation. And they said, no, it's been enough time and you absolutely can give the gift of sight. And that was a really neat experience during a hard time, you know, losing my mother young, uh, when we went to the funeral home and there, not only did we have an outpouring of love and support from friends and families and colleagues, but there we actually had outpouring love and support from Iowa Donor Network because our mother was able to give the gift of sight. Wow, that's beautiful. So maybe you can give us the Iowa Donor Network uh, website again, and that will help us to direct some more people in that in that way. Absolutely. So you go to iowadonornetwork.org and that'll pull up their main website. And then on there, if you want to click on register, you certainly have the capacity of being able to register there, anyone 18 years of age or older. Um, And then I just want to circle back around that really you don't have to be 18 in order to donate your organs. You can, there's no age limit and it's just parents or guardians would also have to be able to give that um, consent for, you know, all ages. Well, I want to thank you for joining me as my guest today, and especially thank you for joining, uh, for, for, for sharing your own story about organ donation today. Hopefully that will inspire other people to do exactly the same thing. 
Thank you for having me. My guest on the podcast today has been Dana Neiman. Dana is the Nurse Director of Education here at CCMH. We've been talking about Organ Donation and Donate Life Month, and we would encourage anyone who has an interest in doing that to go to the Iowa Donor Network online and uh, learn more and then register to become an organ donor. I'm Don Lintzman, Executive Director of Marketing and Development at Crawford County Memorial Hospital. We care for life.